Hi, I'm Dr. Whitney Hauser with DryEyeCoach.com. We're starting a new series called the Innovator Series, and we're going to be welcoming our first guest today, Dr. Shepard Zhang, who is Chief Technology Officer of Tissue Tech and Medical Director of Ocular Surface Center. Thank you for joining us, Doctor. Thank you for having me. Yes. As I said, this is a new series for us. Uh, we're going to be talking to some innovators in ocular surface disease management, and we're very delighted to have you as our first guest. And I'm going to start off by asking uh, the question, can you start by kind of telling us the history of your research in the use of human amniotic membrane tissue for wound healing? Yes. Uh, this all started from the time when I was doing my residency at uh, uh, Johns Hopkins uh, Hospital, Wilmer Eye Institute. Uh, at the time, I was doing uh, research on epithelial cell biology with uh, Dr. Tong Tian Sun in the dermatology department. He has then uh, taught me that the concept about the uh, epithelial stem cell. Then we sort of uh, uh, came to the understanding that uh, the cornea epithelial stem cells may be located in a region we call limbus, which is the anatomical junction between the cornea and conjunctiva. This concept has radically changed our understanding then about a host of disease with uh, cornea blindness, such as chemical burn. So we can describe that, that disease, uh, those diseases as limbal stem cell deficiency. That's the first accomplishment. Then when I landed uh, uh, in Boston uh, doing my fellowship, uh, cornea external disease with uh, Dr. Kenyon at the uh, Massachusetts Eye Infirmary, we uh, then devised the surgical procedure for the first time to transplant stem cells, cornea limbal stem cells, from one eye to the other. And uh, that has uh, put our, uh, us in the map, in the ophthalmology map, for the first time we have a procedure to treat cornea blindness such as chemical burn. Right. Now That's you say the, this, the transplant was from the companion eye of the same patient? Correct, on the fellow eye and then to the mm -hmm. disease eye. And uh, that uh, first landmark paper sort of generated uh, uh, significant interest. Nonetheless, uh, we also recognize about maybe 5-10% of the patients uh, could not be benefited uh, as successfully as we would like by this surgical procedure. And uh, we did not know why. Uh, so then, uh, continue to focus on this uh, peculiar problem uh, nearly for a period of almost uh, close to 10 years. We then decide, we had proposed a hypothesis that maybe the recipient tissue, the, the recipient bed or the eye may not have the ideal environment to receive the transplant themselves. There must be something missing. We speculate that maybe just like the, there is not a good soil to support the transplant the seed or stem cell. Mm -hmm. 
that concept was uh, kind of also new then. But if but today we realize that concept it is true because stem cells are very picky. They would like to be situated in a protective microenvironment called niche. So today, so we think we, then we thought, hey, maybe amniotic membrane transplantation should be the solution mm -hmm. because it may provide this uh, supporting microenvironment or supporting niche. That was the reason we then begin to do the experiment in animal. Then quickly, soon after that, we brought this top technology to clinical uses. Uh, so the history really starts from uh, the stem cell transplant by finding a solution to address the failure of stem cell transplant. I think right. the, the, the impact is very interesting because Today, many people talk about stem cell transplant, but they probably never realize stem cell transplant may not work. If, if it right. doesn't work, then in fact, maybe it's the, the, the recipient tissue is not ready to take stem cell. So, so that's number one concept. Second concept right. is very, very important. If we agree that so amniotic movement can help stem cell because by providing a protective environment, then it's also changed the way we treat uh, many cornea diseases, ocular surface diseases, where the stem cell may be just weak, not as healthy. We do not have to use stem cell transplant, just use amniotic membrane transplant may be just sufficient. So that mm -hmm. it was uh, the starting point based on so the early when did that first surgical transplantation take place? As you referenced it, Mass Eye and Ear. More uh, Mass Eye and Ear, we did it in 1986, around that time. But the okay. paper fam uh, formally published in 1989. Okay. And then what was the first product that you introduced? So and the very first product we call amniogram. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, uh, it's a purely a sheet of amniotic membrane cryopreserved, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it was launched uh, through uh, BioTissue uh, to the mm -hmm. commercial space, and we were soon cleared by FDA for the first time right. uh, as a acceptable practice, and uh, uh, FDA granted several claims to this uh, uh, procedure, mm -hmm. uh, anti-inflammation, anti-scarring, and growth-promoting effect, and anti-angiogenic effect. All are very desirable for us as uh, ophthalmic uh, uh, of, uh, uh, patient care. And, uh, mm, and it's so very important for me to say one thing is today, about 2012, Dr. Sangwon, from India has published a procedure called SLET, S-L-E-T. SLET, mm -hmm. SLET uh, stands for Simple Limbal Transplantation, uh, Epithelial Transplantation, which they take it uh, by combining amniotic membrane transplantation and the limbal stem cell transplantation. If you do so, it can reduce the donor tissue, limbal tissue, significantly. And uh, so that, again, today we can say the earlier concept we speculate, 
now it's finally validated. Right, right. What year was Amniograph brought to market? Amniograph was brought to market in uh, 1997. Okay, so nearly 10 years after the original surgery at Mass Sinear. Correct. Okay, okay. So, you know, there's a, a lot of interest in how amniotic tissue is, is preserved, you know, how it's processed. In the ophthalmic community, doctors are always asking, well, which is better, which is more effective? Uh, it's a commonly asked question. So what I would like to ask you is, how is uh, biotissues processing method technology different from other tissue products in eye care, uh, particularly yeah. for patients presenting with dry eye? Sure. Uh, I think this uh, question can be addressed in two areas. First, we were the first and also the only one that has been reviewed, approved by the FDA to grant with this claims which I just mentioned about, anti-inflammation, anti-scarring, anti-angiogenic, and growth promoting effect. And no other company has demonstrated or have obtained a similar approval approval from the FDA, so it's number one, that's just for fact. However, we have spent almost 12 years from the year 2002 to 2014. Uh, you know, before that time, I mean, I remember transplantation almost become as po getting more and more popular and then became accepted by the standard of care by uh, CMS. Right. So it's a reimbursable procedure practiced by ophthalmologists. However, we did not know the molecular mechanism why this tissue can exert the aforementioned therapeutic actions. Nobody knew. So therefore, we decided to spend that 12 years time and uh, by uh, using the several NIH uh, research grants and begin to search for the so-called active component. Is there uh, one or several or many uh, potential candidates in this tissue that exert this uh, collective action? You know, of course, uh, one easy way to, to think the tissue is too complex, therefore the candidates may be way too many. We embark on this journey of 12 years uh, by thinking the, the mother nature uh, that designs this tissue, this organ, from the beginning to allow the uncomplicated pregnancy should also endow this tissue with a very unique property. Uh, otherwise, the, 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 the normal birth will be threatened. So we believe there must be something there unique and only unique in that tissue. Based on that uh, premise, we searched and searched for 12 years and eventually we came to the conclusion, indeed, there, was, there is a very unique extracellular matrix which is present in this tissue uniquely. And uh, when we studied this component, uh, which is biochemically purified, from the tissue and then compared to the control in a defined uh, uh, cell culture system as well as in animal model, we concluded that this uh, extracellular matrix 
we call HCHAPTX3 is not only unique and can exert anti-inflammatory, anti-scarring, and the growth-promoting effect action directly to the stem cells. This is literally 12 years effort uh, to come to this conclusion. If we use this as the, the benchmark uh, uh, marker, then uh, actually uh, others have published a recent paper comparing our product to a competitive dry product, for example. They concluded that our products retain this component, but our competitors uh, did not. So therefore, uh, I think we need to let everyone know, first, our product is the only one approved by FDA with this claim. Secondly, we also identify the active component which appears to be missing in the mm -hmm. other product. So I think this right. distinction is very important for us to uh, use uh, amyonic membrane products. Excellent. That was a very well thought out um, answer. You probably answered it before, but we appreciate that. So my, my final question or final series of questions are, what, what new research is underway? What, what's your, what are you newly yeah. embarking on? Yes, uh, uh, I think the first major contribution, uh, I guess, the others and uh, have done in the recent past is uh, we begin to understand how this uh, tissue can change uh, ocular surface, specifically dry eye. I think dry eye has been managed up to now mostly toward anti-inflammatory actions, mm -hmm. which you know our tissue has. But more importantly, uh, no one trying to address whether you can deliver a lasting effect rather than treatment have to be taken every day or every few hours with the eye drops. Right. You know, to get some sort of lasting effect, you've got to address some of the key root of cause. In this case, we recognize dry eye is linked with the gradual loss of cornea sensitivity. The cornea nerves sort of uh, receded, almost like neurotrophic disease. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, uh, Dr. Thomas John from Chicago, published a paper, uh, 10 patients each a randomized clinical trial, indicates that uh, the Procura use, which is uh, another product based on an amyonic membrane, which can uh, uh, improve the dry symptom very quickly within uh, several days of wearing, but has a lasting effect for at least three months. And that is coupled by, by, by the improvement of uh, cornea sensitivity and, uh, and the cornea nerve regeneration based on in vivo confocal microscopy. So I think that's first thing I would like to mention is very unique, uh, very important to, to know uh, this tissue may not be just uh, anti-inflammatory, may have other action. And second right. uh, important paper, I think, also contributed by Dr. Hamra from uh, Tufts University, where they used the Procura to treat uh, cornea neuropathic pain, which is uh, mm -hmm. uh, known in many, uh, uh, by many of us, you know, unexplained cornea pain. 
And right. uh, those disease turns out to have corneal microneuroma. And when he used Procura, he can show the reduction of corneal pain with uh, nerve regeneration. So I think that's consistent with what I said earlier to, right. uh, to treat dry eyes. I think that's second important uh, discovery. Uh, in our uh, 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 company, Tissue Tech, we continue to take advantage of the knowledge we have learned uh, through basic research, animal research about this uh, important matrix. So uh, we are ready to launch. We are ready to, uh, we engage with FDA as well, ready to launch a product, uh, a topical gel made mm -hmm. of the oh. Excellent. That, that would be definitely a different um, delivery system. Right. It could be increase the convenience, you know, and uh, hopefully we can treat uh, many, many more other uh, milder diseases. Uh, right. So that is something we are working on. And, and, and also we received an NIH uh, uh, research grant a couple of years ago, and we've been uh, working with the Baskin Palmer Institute, uh, University of Miami, uh, their retina vitreous service that uh, to, to use the purified HCH and PTS3, we purify from that myelin membrane, become mm -hmm. a single agent. And when then we inject that in the uh, rabbit eye, in the vitreous mm -hmm. cavity. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we would like to see we can address the disease PVR, which is okay. a proliferative vitreous retinopathy uh, following retina detachment surgery. And uh, if that is possible, maybe in fact we can use for many other intravitreous uh, uh, retina disease such as uh, uveitis, maybe even uh, wet uh, AMD, and other mm -hmm. diseases, uh, but we are not there yet. We are doing animal work, so, right, so that right. is something in the future I'd like to share. Okay, excellent. Well, we've seen the past, and we are living, obviously, in the present, and now you've enlightened us on potential uh, the future of regenerative medicine. I'd really yes. like to thank you for joining us today for our podcast, and I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Zhang. Oh, thank you very much. It is my pleasure.